What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you're checking out all the great work from our entire staff over there. Podcasts, articles, different news and notes coming out every single day for you guys to sink your teeth into at EthosFantasyBB. And if you're not on Twitter, you guys can check all of that out at SportsEthos.com as well. Not just baseball, we got coverage across all major sports, gambling, DFS, specific team coverage that's not related to fantasy a lot of cool stuff, so make sure you're checking out the website at sportsethos.com if you guys have not done so already. Today we're going to be talking about a few bits of news, and we're also going to be taking a look down uh, the history books, because today is an anniversary of a particularly interesting event in Major League history, and we're going to start off with that one. Uh, it is the anniversary of Armando Galarraga's near-perfect game. I guess depending on how you want to classify it, some people do consider it to be a perfect game. I am one of those people who would probably be in the camp of it should be a perfect game, especially when you consider the fact that we now have a replay that would have easily overturned that call. It just he got screwed based on the time that he was playing in. And I think a lot of people, not just in perfect game arguments, can make that case that you know they were screwed over because of their era. But this is a specific awful case where you know we've had, what is it, 27, 28 perfect games in history. To have one taken away because of a bad call by an umpire is awful, and it's something that, because it wouldn't happen in today's game, because it would have been easily overturned, does make you think, well, should they just go back in the record books and give Galarraga the perfect game? I put out a poll earlier on Twitter just about an hour ago. Uh, we've had 200 people answer back. I just said, should this be changed to a perfect game? 68% of the people who responded so far have said, yes, this should be a perfect game in the record books. 32% said no. So I think that generally, I mean, we're just talking about a couple hundred votes here. But I think generally people think that he should be rewarded with that distinction. It is such a rare feat in the history of the game that he did accomplish, and plus one out on top of that, that I think it would be okay to go back and change the history book. As much as I don't like to do that, the fact that the way that the game has changed with replay does make me think, okay, it wouldn't be the end of the world if we were to award him the perfect game. It obviously wouldn't be the same as if it had been called on the field but I think that this guy's got screwed over. It was kind of the one big moment in his career, which was, you know, he made it to the major leagues, which is huge. But, I mean, he didn't have a terribly long or great career outside of a good season in 2008. I, I would be in favor of giving him that perfect game, not just because of that, but because he did, in fact, earn that perfect game with an additional out on top of it that he got screwed over for because of Jim Joyce's bad call that he did feel awful about it's not like he screwed the kid over on purpose I remember him giving a presser and crying about it afterwards because he knew that he had you know he had screwed the pooch on that one but I think we can go back and and make a change I don't think that they will but if it was me making the decisions I I would give um, Armando Galarraga a perfect game in the history books I think it would be totally justified but that's just my little take on that one we're going to talk about a couple pieces of actually pertinent fantasy news because I don't think Armando Galarraga is going to be a, a terribly interesting pickup in your leagues at this point. Let's talk about Jordan Walker. So last night they announced that he is going to be returning to St. Louis. Now, this is one where I don't really know how to feel. Jordan Walker started off ridiculously hot when he was, you know, the start of the season. Started off with a 12-game hit streak, and then he cooled off considerably. Now, I have a few different 
points here. One of them is, if you look at the actual production, because, you know, there's ups and downs throughout the course of a season. You have hot streaks and cold streaks. What he actually did at the big league level, over 73 at-bats. He had two home runs. He stole two bases. Batted 274. Pretty damn good. After your first cup of coffee at the big leagues, that's pretty damn good. I know he started off really hot, and then he was really cold. But he's also been pretty good in the minors recently. Over the past couple of weeks, he's hitting almost 300. He's got a 542 slug over that time period as well. I think that he is going to get regular playing time, but I also don't really know. Um, he might split some uh, some reps with Lars Nupar from what I've seen. I, I'm just kind of curious as to how the Cardinals are going to use him because they already showed us that they're not maybe as big on him as the fantasy community was, as what we had hoped would be a regular everyday role at the top of that lineup. I'm really not sure what his role is going to be. If you look at roster resource, he's not currently listed in the starting lineup uh, as of right now. I don't know if they've even put him up in the big leagues. Uh, No, he's actually not listed on the big league roster on roster resource yet. And maybe the move hasn't been made completely official yet. Uh, He's still listed as not active. So, they say he will re- – okay, so maybe that's the case, that he hasn't actually officially been recalled yet. They said he will be recalled on Friday. So maybe that's why Roster Resource doesn't have him in there yet. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do, honestly, and that's why I'm kind of a little bit nervous about jumping in with two feet again uh, on Jordan Walker, just because they showed us they're willing to not play him. They'll send him down. They'll sit him, whatever the case may be. I just worry about you know seeing people say he's a must-roster player, get him at all costs, all formats. I think that the talent is definitely indicative that he should be uh, a pickup in all formats, but based on the way the Cardinals used him before, I'm not sure that he is going to be this fantasy savior. I could be wrong, and I think he's probably still worth you know taking a speculative add-on in, in most leagues, but I think the framing of him as being like a fantasy savior, somebody you have to get, might be a little bit disingenuous. I'm not sure about the playing time on an every single day basis. Will he get some reps in the outfield? Yes. Will he maybe spell Arenado once or twice a third? Maybe. I think he'll get in there, I think, fairly regularly. But I also don't know that he is going to be a top-of-the-order, massive fantasy contributor. I'm, it's a really tricky situation. I think that probably in 12-teamers, you're adding him anything shallower. Ugh. I'm not 100% sold like in a 10-team league that he needs to be added. I think you can justify it. But I think he's more skewing along the lines of a 12 or, uh, you know, definitely in a 15-team league ad. But I think in 12s, 10s, you'll, you'll, you'll probably still add him. But I just worry that he might not actually have the production that will meet up with the name brand value of Jordan Walker, the top prospect. I'm just not sure that this is the best situation for him at this point to actually fully excel. Uh, I could be wrong. And I think that, you know, honestly, he's probably still worth a speculative ad. But I just think we need to keep the expectations in check a little bit with Jordan Walker at this point. Let's talk about Chris Sale. It had been pretty smooth sailing recently for Chris Sale. It looked like you know the old Chris Sale was back for the most part. And yesterday, he had to leave his start with shoulder soreness. This is bad. Uh, I know at first, the broadcast and people were speculating on Twitter that it was something in his lower body. It was a leg or something like that. That was initially what people thought. Uh, we heard late last night or early today, that it was actually shoulder soreness. So there's been no move to put him on IL or anything. He's going to have an MRI today to see how bad it is. Now, with Chris Sale, you have to kind of assume the worst here. I wouldn't be jumping the gun and dropping him or anything because he's actually been really exceptional. Like If you look at the last month, he's a borderline top 25 player. Three victories. He's got 36 strikeouts in 29 innings, 243 ERA, a .91 whip as well during that time frame. I just worry a little bit, uh, just a little bit, about, well, 
more than just a little bit, uh, about the injury history with Chris Sale, the fact that that arm has been a problem for him, and maybe this is the sign of he might be mm, maybe not shut down, but this might be a lengthy absence nonetheless. So I'm not making any you know knee-jerk reaction moves here. I am expecting an IL stint, but I wouldn't be dropping him even in your shallow leagues just as of yet. And he actually did go down from 88 to 87% on Yahoo. Not a big jump, but that's still a problem. Let me see how many leagues that is. Because uh, you, you can actually see here on Yahoo, which is something I really like about their system, is that you can see how many people added and dropped a particular player. And he was dropped by 1,700 teams. 1,741 teams today so far on Yahoo have cut Chris Sale. I think that that is way too premature. It might end up, and it probably will end up being the right call down the line, but until you actually know for sure, I don't think that it is the right move to just cut somebody who has been so good. Somebody that we know is a Cy Young quality pitcher for so long, missed the last couple of years mostly. I mean, he's had some a few starts here and there, but just hasn't been healthy. When he's healthy, he's incredibly, incredibly efficient. The strikeouts do not grow on trees, specifically not on most waiver wires, so I wouldn't be ready to cut bait on him just yet. I'd wait a little bit longer, see what else comes out about Chris Sale, see what the results of this MRI will be, and then we'll be able to make a more informed decision. At this point, I think cutting him would be premature. But again, if you're in like an eight-team league or something, then I guess I can understand it. But even then, uh, just hold on, and we'll take a look and see what the results of this MRI are for Chris Sale. Uh, Charlie Blackman has been reinstated from the bereavement list by the Rockies. He's going to be coming back, and Chris Bryant is heading to the IL in a corresponding move. So I think Charlie Blackman is a reasonable add, not necessarily in your shallow leagues, but I think anything with five outfielders, uh, I think even you know borderline add in a 12-team league, um, That that's kind of where I'm at on him. I don't think he's a shallow league guy, but... I think in most formats, he can be a lot of help, specifically in those five outfielder leagues. He's given you a good batting average consistently. Uh, I know he's been kind of hit or miss the last couple of years there, but 284 so far this season. He's got five dingers. He's got 53 runs in RBIs. Now, he hasn't been stealing bases. That's kind of a thing of the past for Charlie Blackman. He is getting on in years, so you're not going to get many steals out of him. But you're getting good batting average. You're getting good counting stats, decent counting stats anyway. I think that in most 15-team leagues, or sorry, all 15-team leagues, that he is he's a worthy add. 12-team leagues, I think it... Probably more skews to if you have you know deeper rosters, deeper benches, then he is more of an ad. If you're in a standard three outfielder Yahoo league, I don't know that Charlie Blackman is necessarily a guy I'd be going for, but the production we know uh, is inside of him still to hit 300. We know he can give you 15 to 20 home runs roughly, and he's batting in a great ballpark. We know what Coors can do. So I, I don't have a problem really uh, with taking a chance on adding Blackman. More so I'd skew that to deeper leagues, but in all formats, he could potentially be a really valuable player Chris Bryant, this is an interesting one as well. He's got a heel bruise uh, on his left ankle. They have put, or on his left heel. Uh, he is, um, let's see, they retroactively placed him. So back to May 31st, so a couple days back. Uh, it's a 10-day IL. So you're only looking at really a week here. When you look at the production that Chris Bryant's been giving you, though, in shallow formats, I wouldn't be so opposed to moving on. It's really not been so great, especially recently. Over the last month, 19 for his last 87. He's got two home runs in that frame. Uh, it's a 218 batting average, no steals. Over the course of the season, five homers. He's batting 263. He's been fine, I guess. But I think in shallow leagues, you can really probably uh, use that spot to a better, you know, for better purposes, for streaming or for whatever, as opposed to having Chris Bryant in your lineup slash IL slash bench. I don't know that he is really cutting it in shallow leagues. In deeper leagues, yeah. You know, like the same thing with Blackman. If you're in a deeper 12 or any kind of 15-team league, you're not cutting Chris Bryant. But I think if you're in those standard 12s and shallower, 
I, I don't think that there's that much need to hold on to him. If you have a free IL spot, you know, same thing I'll say about every injury. If you have a free IL spot and you're not using it, it doesn't hurt to throw literally anybody in there. A lot of people do not have that advantage at this point of the season. A lot of people are using one or two bench spots for IL because there's been so many injuries. Now, they are kind of evening out from a couple tweets I've seen recently. The injuries are kind of leveling off a bit in terms of like comparing to previous years. But there's still a lot of injuries, and I don't know if you can necessarily afford to hold a Chris Bryant. If you can, then sure, there's a chance, especially in cores over the course of a full season, that he does turn it around. But I also wouldn't be opposed to trying to find something a little bit more attractive sitting there on your waiver wire. So both of them kind of similarly, uh, Blackman and Bryant. Deeper 12s, I think that they're you know reasonable holds slash adds. Uh, anything shallower, probably not, though, at this point. Let's talk about one more piece of news here. Cal Quantrill going to the IL. I would bet that this is probably the last we're going to see of Cal Quantrill in the rotation this year, just based on the depth that Cleveland has as starting pitcher. Of course, injuries can happen. Things can pop up. But at this point, uh, I mean, you got Bieber. You got Tanner Bybee. Aaron Savali's coming back. Tristan McKenzie's coming back. You got Logan Allen. I don't know that there is really going to be room for Cal Quantrill, especially with how piss poor he has been this season. You know, the other starting pitchers are doing so well as well. You know, Bieber's been still very good. I know that Bieber is not quite the Bieber of old, and he did get roughed up in his last start. But generally, he has been very good this year. Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee have been very good. You're going to get uh, Tristan McKenzie back, and you're expecting you know decent things from him. Uh, Aaron Savale has been good in the couple starts that he's made. I don't see that there's room for Cal Quantrill to be a starting pitcher at this point on this team. Uh, you know, especially when you factor in the injury, it's a shoulder injury, so he's gonna be out for a few weeks. Maybe we'll see the severity of that. It could be less than we think. It could be worse than we think. Whatever it is, uh, he got a, an injection in his shoulder. I believe it was cortisone. Uh, I, I just don't know that he's gonna come back and do really anything for you. He's been so awful this season. Last year, he kind of lucked into a good fantasy season. He had 15 wins. You know, if you look at the strikeouts per inning, it's really bad. Like 186 innings last year, 128 Ks. 59 innings this year, 34 Ks. He just doesn't give you strikeouts. The ratios were good last year, but this year they've been awful. I mean, you couple that with the injury, you couple that with the fact that they have so many viable options uh, on the mound. I, I just don't think that Kyle Quantrill really is going to have any kind of fantasy viability. And I don't even think he's going to be a starting pitcher very long in Cleveland. Uh, he's still rostered in 21% of Yahoo leagues. I think you can very, very, very happily send him back to the waiver wire. He got dropped in 6% of league, so he was 27 down to 21. Regardless of your league size, 15, 12, 10, whatever it is, I'd take Cal Quantrill and I'd send him back to the waiver wire and see what else he got going on. Because at this point, uh, maybe he gets traded. Maybe he's done for the year. I, I really don't know how severe this injury is going to end up being. Uh, he's been shut. They're going to shut him down for a few weeks, and then we'll see. But I don't think that regardless of what happens, unless there's injuries down the line, he gets the rotation spot again and flourishes. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to go really well for Cal Quantrill to actually have some fantasy viability, and I just don't really see it happening. So I'd be, I'd be totally fine uh, if you guys wanted to send him back to your waiver wires, regardless of format. But guys, that'll be it for us for this week. Appreciate you guys hanging out as always. You guys can check me out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. Ethos Fantasy BB is where you get all the content from all of our great content creators here. Writing, podcasting, all of that great stuff. You can check it out at SportsEthos.com as well. But until next week, guys, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy. We'll see you on Monday. Take care.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.